Good evening, everyone. I just want to say welcome. I want to say welcome to our uh, virtual church, our church online, our Facebook community, um, and everyone that will be hearing this message, especially, and I'm hoping I pronounce this right, um, my uh, mentor, uh, Gary Wozniak, uh, who's going to be inevitably listening to this sermon and grading me on it. Uh, just a little bit of a disclaimer, this sermon might be slightly different than what you're used to hearing from me. Um, I tend to be more of a topical or even a textual preacher um, that tries to stay biblically based um, throughout Um Rarely do I go um, entirely expository in my sermon style, but for the sake of this course and this class that I'm taking, um, I'll be preaching two messages um, in this expository style. So if you could just be patient with me and show me grace as this is a learning experience for me and hopefully a growth opportunity um, I would greatly appreciate it. So the one thing that I always do, and those of you who have listened to me um, over the course of the past several years would know this. I never open my mouth um, to preach or proclaim God's word without first going to the Lord in prayer. Um, and just because this is an assignment, uh, that does not change. So if you would, I would like for you to pray with me um, Regardless of whether or not this is a school assignment, this is still the Word of God. This is still um, bearing eternal weight. And just because I'm also submitting this is a school assignment, that does not change. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to present and proclaim your Word as a herald. Lord Jesus, I ask that this Word benefits and blesses everyone that hears it. Lord, I ask that you use me as a vessel willing to communicate your timeless truth, and I pray that you deliver it in a way that it is able to penetrate the hearts and the minds of everyone that hears it. And Lord Jesus, I pray that they can take these truths and that they can apply them to their life through the aid uh, and the appropriation of the Holy Spirit, and that there can be a wonderful transformation in their day-to-day lives as Christian individuals. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to be looking um, in Philippians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 1. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, um, we'll get to that in just a second. I just kind of want to open up with a um, brief introduction to follow the outline and the uh, design that these expository sermons um, typically have. Um, I want to introduce you to, to kind of a, a general topic. Um, the topic of priority, uh, so to speak. If you think about it in our everyday life, we categorize everything and anything according to its priority or according to its importance as it relates to us. Um, If you think about it, when you receive your paycheck and you have that money at the end of the week, if you're paid on Friday or bi-weekly or once a month, however your paycheck is delivered to you, as soon as you receive that money, You already have a prioritization of how you're going to distribute and spend that money. Um, You get your groceries and you pay your bills and you fill up your gas tank so that you're able to continue to go back to that job to continue to uh, build up that income for the next paycheck. And once you have all of those priorities taken care of, you know, paying debts, paying bills, buying groceries, filling up your gas tank, when you've addressed all of those, 
whatever you have left over, you know, you put some into savings, but then you might have a little bit left so you can treat yourself to, you know, take the wife out on the, for a night out on the town, you know, take your kids for ice cream, um, things like that. Lesser priorities, things that are still important and still valuable to you, but they're not as necessary. They're wants, they're not needs. You, so you take the things that are mandatory or that are necessary and you label them with the highest priority and you deal with those first before you ever deal with the things like taking your kids for ice cream. You would never, for example, forsake your house payment to take your kid to I, for ice cream every day of the month. You would never forsake buying groceries so that you could buy flowers, hopefully, Um you would never, uh, you know, forsake filling up your tank full of gas so that you could buy burgers to grill out and have a cookout. You, would, you wouldn't do those things. You, you have to deal with your priorities first. And the truth is, is as Christians, we are also called to prioritize certain things over others. Um, we're called as Christian believers, and it's even in the name, we're called to make Christ our single greatest priority. And sometimes this is even at the expense of everything else. Um, This prioritization of Christ may even necessitate that we have to make certain sacrifices. And uh, another way of saying this would be that every Christian must be willing to sacrifice everything, anything, all things to follow Christ. But the truth is, is that this is no easy task. So how do we become willing to make this sacrifice? How do we become willing to sacrifice all things in an effort to follow Christ? And that's why I directed you to Philippians chapter 3, because our answer to this question and any question, our answer as it always can be, is found in the passages of Holy Scripture. So let, let's look at Paul's letter to the Philippians. Let's look at this epistle and see if we can't find the answer to the question of self-sacrifice or the denying of self and making Christ our single greatest priority. So we're going to begin reading starting with the first verse of chapter 3. And now I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, but um, typically any Bibles um, that you get, ESV, King James, New American Standard, they're going to say the same message um, as regards of this passage. So let's just start with the first verse of chapter 3 and let's let's follow this train of thought. I'm going to read the passage in its entirety um, all the way down through verse 11 and then um, we'll go back up and we'll follow Paul's train of thought and break it down a little bit. So it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in Him, 
not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Praise God, what a beautiful passage of Scripture. Actually, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. So, going back to our original introduction and our inquiry, we realize that our inquiry is really concerning our decision to sacrifice everything in order to follow Christ. How do we make Christ our greatest priority? In the passage that we just read, I personally find three overarching or primary reasons that the apostle lists that enable him to accomplish this sacrifice of self. As we progress through the passage, it's my aim to take these same principles that are listed by the apostle and make them applicable in our own lives, thus making us able to sacrifice all things to pursue Christ, making us able to make Christ our greatest priority. First, In verse 3, Paul states almost emphatically, we are the true circumcision. So it implies right there with that statement that there is a false circumcision, which he already addressed in the preceding verse. We are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Here are those words of the apostle. He's able to make this sacrifice of self or make Christ his greatest priority because he places none of his confidence in his own flesh. It's almost as if this is an apparent jab or punch in the face to those that he deems are false circumcision. Now, he doesn't mean that their circumcision was fictional or that it was performed incorrectly or that they were lying about their being circumcised. No, their foreskin was cut. They were circumcised. The apostle wasn't saying that their circumcision in the flesh was false. What he was saying is that the, what he was trying to articulate rather, is that the circumcision of the Jews, a sign in the flesh, was simply a token of their covenant with God. The circumcision was given to as far back as Abraham as an outward sign of an inward covenant with God. Meaning that the circumcision was a token of a covenant. It wasn't the covenant itself. It was just simply a sign of the covenant. Kind of like in the new covenant, we have baptism as the sign of our covenant with Christ. That's our outward display. Circumcision was their outward in the flesh display of their inward covenant. However, the Jews were placing their confidence in the fleshly sign at the expense or even forsaking the inward covenant. Therefore, their circumcision became a false circumcision. It was an outward sign without an inward covenant. They had the sign, they had the token, but they didn't have the covenant that the token was supposed to represent. But Paul's what he's saying is in contrasting that, he's saying, but we... True believers, those that follow Christ Jesus through faith, we are the true circumcision because we have the covenant in Christ Jesus. The difference between the true circumcision and the false circumcision is found in that inner transformation or that inward covenant. Our confidence is no longer found in the outward token of the flesh, but it's found in the indwelling spirit of God. 
Doesn't Paul say that we worship in the Spirit of God and we place our glory or our boasting or our pride not in the flesh or in the token of the flesh as in the fleshly circumcision, but in Christ Jesus. Our confidence is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Look to the words of the Apostle as he continues this thought in verses 4 through 7. He shows that if anyone has any cause to brag or to have glory or to have pride in their fleshly accomplishments, it's him. Look at his resume. Looking at that, I have to agree that he's the one who has the ability to boast. His resume is far greater than mine. Not only does he have this outward sign of circumcision, he's born an Israelite. He wasn't a proselyte as in brought into the um, national religion of the Jews. No, he was born into it. He was descended through the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee. He was blameless in the law. And he was even over the top zealous for the law's observance. Yet even he, even the Apostle Paul, with all of these accolades, with all of these achievements, with all of these things that he can boast about in his pedigree and in his upbringing and in his knowledge and in his observance of the law, even he acknowledges that these things were to be sacrificed for the sake of Christ. Therefore, if he's able to do it, then we can too. If our accolades are so much less impressive and so much less than his, we must realize that we can't place any of our confidence in the our earthly flesh either. If the Apostle Paul with all of these accolades had no ability to brag or to boast in the achievements of the pedigree in his own flesh, then we have no ability to boast in the pedigree and the achievements of our flesh. Continuing on, the second reason we can find in verse 7, the second reason that Paul gives for the sacrifice of self in his pursuit of Christ, or rather going back to our original, the reason that Paul is able to sacrifice all things for Christ, the reason that Paul is able to make Christ his greatest priority is for the sake of Christ. Verse 7, he says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. The word that's translated for the sake of is actually one word, and it's, it's a word that works as a channel of an act. Thus, for the sake of Christ could also mean something like through Christ. So we see that Paul's ability to sacrifice all things for Christ comes through Christ himself. That Paul's ability to make Christ his greatest priority, that Paul's ability to deny himself and to sacrifice all things and count all things as loss comes through Christ. Paul declares that he counts everything that he had previously deemed as gainful to him, Paul counts it as loss for the sake of Christ. Those accolades that those of the false circumcision still find their confidence in, those accolades that Paul mentions in the verses that we just looked at, those accolades that we see that are so much greater than their own, they're, st- they're just more, nothing more than rubbish to the apostle. The King James Version actually translates this as dung. They're nothing more than dung to the apostle. Are we capable of this? Are we capable of sacrificing all things to follow Christ? Are we sac- capable of, of doing this on our own and our own ability? The answer is no. No, in of ourselves and according to our own capabilities, we're unable to count the things that we deem as gain, as loss. But 
Praise be to God that through Christ and for the sake of Christ, we can esteem even our greatest treasures and accolades as loss. (laughs) Think about this. As a believer, as someone that's come to Christ, you're willing or you were willing to give up the negative things. You were willing to give up your sin and your death and your eternal damnation and your trials and your depression and your sickness and all of the struggles and the battles and all of those things that you dealt with. You were able to give those up and sacrifice those at the altar when you came into covenant with Christ. It was in fact your joy to give those up and to set those down and take up the joy of the Lord. Those, that was your desire is to come broken and to be mended and to, to see deliverance and to see, receive liberty and freedom and lightness and set your burden down. It was easy to count those things as worthless to win Christ. That was easy because that was the whole point is Christ was offering you something more in exchange for your death. He was willing to give you life in exchange for your sin. He was willing to give you righteousness in exchange for your depression. He was willing to give you joy in exchange for your sickness. He was willing to give you health and wholeness in exchange for your turmoil and your struggle. He was willing to give you peace. So it was easy to sacrifice those things to Christ. In fact, that was the purpose of your coming to Christ or the purpose of many of our decision to come to Christ is because we realized that the things that we possessed were awful and we wanted to give up the awful to attain the good. But are we also willing to count the things that we deem as gain, as loss for the sake of Christ or to win Christ or to gain Christ rather? Are we willing to sacrifice our careers Let me change the question around. Are you, personally as an individual, are you willing to sacrifice your career, your money, your reputation, or even your very life for the sake of Christ? The answer is you must be. You must be willing to make that sacrifice for the sake of Christ. And the good news is through the indwelling Spirit of Christ, you are enabled to be able to make that sacrifice. Look at verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. This is perhaps one of my favorite verses in the entirety of Scripture. I'm going to read it again. More than that. More than what? More than everything that he just said about counting all the things as loss, about his pedigree, about all the false circumcision, the truth, all of that. More than that. Let's look at what he said in verse 7. Whatever things were gained to me, those I counted loss for the sake of Christ. So when he says more than that, he's saying that even more than what he just said in verse 7. So he's willing to count the things that he took as gain as loss. So he's saying even more than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. But here's where it gets real. He's not just counting them as loss. He says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Now the rubber meets the road and he actually has suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that he may gain Christ. Paul was willing to count all things as loss for the sake of Christ. He was willing to treat them as rubbish or as we've already said as the King James Version translated. He was willing to treat them as mere dung for the sake of Christ. And Like I said, he didn't just count them as loss, but verse 8 says specifically he actually did lose them. So how was he willing to to count them as sacrifice, um, to count them as loss, 
to count Christ as his greatest and single and only priority for which all other priorities submit, and then even go to the extent of actually making that sacrifice for the pursuit of Christ. And it's my opinion, and I think that this is what Scripture is communicating, that he was able to sacrifice all of those things to follow Christ because he had in view the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Or rather, he was able to keep this immensity of value found in Christ in his view, that he was able to remain fixated and focused and fastened on the value of Christ. He was able to keep that in his frontal vision, that he almost had tunnel vision on the value of Christ and that Christ was his greatest priority so that when he weighed the priority of everything else, it paled in comparison to the majesty and the worth of Christ. Because of his understanding of the majesty and worth of Christ, everything else kind of lost its appeal and its priority in his life. It's not saying that he forsook everything else, but it's saying that everything else became secondary to the immensity of worth and priority that Christ gained in his life. And I think if we could truly get this understanding, if we could get this accurate perspective of the value of knowing Christ Jesus, that in our lives, everything else would pale in comparison with this too. And I have to say, uh, this isn't exactly in my manuscript, but I have to add in here that if you almost have this opposition presented here, that you're almost pulling away. It's like, but if I count Christ as my greatest priority, then won't I be neglecting something else? Like if I'm a husband and a father, and if I count Christ as my greatest and my single priority, will that make me less of a father or less of a husband? And the truth is, is that if Christ becomes our single priority, our single greatest priority, then everything that's contained in Christ will affect and bless everything else. So that Christ being our greatest priority will actually enhance and encourage. That's not uh, so much of an exposition, that's more of a more of a, a confidence booster um, application from this, that if Christ is our greatest priority and we are willing to sacrifice everything for Him, that it really enhances everything because of the value of knowing Christ. Paul then begins to speak on this value found in Christ. It's made evident that, that his desire or the desire as he writes is to first know second gain, and third, be found in Christ. It's almost like a progression. The apostle wishes to know Christ more than anything else. And this knowledge is sought after so that he may gain or win Christ. And it's to the extent or to the end goal that once he has gained Christ through sacrificing everything else, through counting everything else as lost, through making Christ his greatest priority, he hopes to be found in Christ for the purpose of, And for the hope that he might be able to partake in the righteousness of Christ that comes by faith to attain the resurrection from the dead. Now consider consider the text that we've just read. Consider the text in Philippians 3 verses 1 through 11. And consider the example of the Apostle Paul. Every Christian is called to give the utmost priority to Christ even if it means sacrificing all things to follow Him. Therefore, therefore, meaning that a continuation of this thought, every Christian is called to give the utmost priority to Christ. 
at the expense and the sacrifice of everything else. Therefore, if we realize the futility, if you can realize the futility of fleshly confidence, because even the Apostle Paul, who had the accolades, who had the list of achievements, who had reason to boast more than anyone else according to his own words, he realized that there was no hope in his own fleshly achievement. Therefore, he forsook boasting in his flesh or having glory in his flesh, but instead he put his glory in Christ Jesus. And if we can do that, if we can make the sacrifice for the sake of Christ, which we're enabled to, like the Apostle says, that through Christ we're able to sacrifice and count all things as loss for Christ. And if we can keep the surpassing worth and value of Christ in view, then you can succeed in making Him your greatest priority. You must be willing, like the Apostle Paul, to count all things as dumb or rubbish in comparison with the pursuit of Christ.